Got questions? We got answers. Join us today on the McCann Dogs podcast. Drum roll. That yeah, was my I, drum roll. I it put sounded on, nothing like a no, drum roll. No, it didn't. But I even put on my glasses. So <laughs> nice. you know I'm serious when yes. I got my glasses on. You look serious. My dog understand that good things are happening when she sits. And so she doesn't want to be lured out of sitting or laying down position. What am I to do? Aw, that's, you know what? That's a, that's a nice problem to have, right? Mm, mm. Yeah. So sometimes we build too much value for something. So I, I'm, I, I, I jumped in there, but go ahead. Oh, no, no, that's, yes. So <laughs> dogs do what's rewarding. Yeah. So if every time our dog sits, we give them a treat, we give them a treat, the dog's going to say, you know what? I like sitting because yeah. I get a treat. And that's why so often our dogs come running up to us and they sit. Yes. They say, hey, bring me the goods. Yeah. And and when your dog gets to the point where they are looking to you for the value, they're looking to you and thinking like, what can I do for you in order to, you know, have you engage or have you reward me in some way? That is a nice problem to mm-hmm. have. Nice yes. Problem. Yes. So, well, we want to teach our dogs that luring is good. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my suggestion would be to her to re, revisit luring. So mm-hmm. we have an excellent um, on our, if you go to our website, McCannDogs.com, the luring workshop is going to show you how to effectively lure your dog and you'll be able to learn to lure them into other positions too. Yeah. So we want to teach the dog that when we have uh, food presented in our hand, following it is good as well. And you get good things for following the food yes. too. Now, um, also when you're you're practicing these, you might want to practice a break word such as okay. So when my dog is sitting and I'm ready for them to move on to something else, I've taught them that okay means we're moving on to something different. So by saying sit, what a good dog, yes and feed, okay. Now we're going to go off and do something else that gives the dog the confidence that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, you got it. And I think that um, sometimes when we run into these problems, right, and and we're we're dealing with a newer situation where, you know, y- you might not have had experience with a dog putting on the brakes before or saying, no, I'm not going to move out of this thing, like, sh- make me or mm-hmm. incentivize me to right. do so if you will and a lot of the times I think people will inadvertently reinforce that behavior so for example if you have your dog sit and they're holding the sit and you tell them okay to release them and they keep holding the sit a lot of times people will go back to the dog will engage mm-hmm. with the dog sometimes they'll even reward oh well he's sitting so nicely and he thinks that he's doing what I want him to do so I'm going to reward right but it kind of grazed the area a little bit yes. for the dog so then the dog thinks oh if I hold out for more I will get more whereas if you can do that release Mm -hmm. like you talked about tell them okay move them to a new spot and then you can lure them again right right? or you can ask for that behavior again if you're a little bit further along in your training you can ask for that behavior again and then reinforce it move them to a new spot start again so basically what you're saying is it's reinforcing for you to just continue to follow me right and to move to a new spot and we'll do this thing again Yeah. Another question I would have for that person, do you, does your dog truly understand what down means? Yeah. Maybe you're saying down and the dog says, I don't know what you mean, so I'm just going to sit because that's the safe bet. Yes. So there is a that's chance a that too. maybe your dog doesn't truly understand what a down means. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The, uh, it's interesting because all of these thoughts really like spur little triggers in my brain. So when you said, if the dog is a little bit uncomfortable, you know, are you in a situation where the dog is worried about something and mm-hmm. they're freezing, right? You know, they're holding position because they're freezing or are they at home and they're just, you know, testing the waters right. to yes. see, will you give me another cookie if I continue to hold the sit? So right. there yes. would definitely be some variables based on mm-hmm. that as well. So Because mm-hmm. the do- dogs are never stubborn. The dog's not being stubborn. Something is going on that's in the dog's brain that's yeah. not l- allowing them to comply with what you want. So... Yeah, absolutely. And usually it's that they've figured out that there's value to be had mm-hmm. in doing what it is that they're doing. And I would say that if you're experiencing those things, you just need to keep training right. because you're probably at a point where your dog is ready to start understanding what you are asking of them. And they might understand a little bit of it, but maybe they're not crystal clear yes. on what the next step is or what they're supposed to do. So keep training, keep working hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. All right. I'm going to reach into the question bucket. Swish, 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 <laughs> swish, Dramatic swish. noises. <laughs> we Okay, I have a question. 
I have a question from Lee Sanders, 8568. My puppy really isn't food oriented right now, so normal reward treat doesn't work all that well with her suggestions, question mark. So depending on the puppy, depending on the timeline factor, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes people are really eager to get started within the first day or two of bringing their puppy home. And right away they say, oh, you know what? My puppy's not very food motivated. And so I'm not getting success. But a lot of the times that's just the little honeymoon period that you're experiencing. So first off, if your puppy is brand new and this is what you're noticing about them, I would just leave it, just give them a couple of days to Mm -hmm. settle in, you know, be patient, spend time with them, if they're interested in in luring and playing and things like that, great. Mm-hmm. But they might not be. Right. You know, some puppies are really dramatic about mm-hmm. their, their change to a new home. And after a couple of days, they usually settle right in. But you just need to weather that. Just let them take their time. Let them find their feet. And then uh, at that point, you'll have much better success. Right, yes. Um, if you have a puppy that is not, that is past that point uh-huh. and they're not overly food motivated at that point, um, one of the first things I would say is be honest about their weight, how much they're eating. Mm-hmm. You know, are they eating more than they need to? So right. they're satiated and, you know, pups aren't go- aren't great at self-regulation, but dogs as a rule, instinctually as they grow, they're not going to continue to overeat in a lot of situations mm-hmm. because you know, they're not feeling hungry. Right. So depending on the dog though, labs are the exception to that rule. A a lab will just keep eating and eating and eating and eating and and never stop. There actually, there's a lot of dogs like that, but there's a lot of dogs too that will self-regulate very well. Right. Yes. And, and look at to what's going on around. If, uh, if there's all kinds of fun things happening in the room and distractions and you have a young dog and you got their kibble and you're trying to lure them and the dog's looking around saying, well, I want to go jump on the kids. They're over yeah. there having fun. I want to go play with the other dog or I want to go and run under the couch. Set your scene up well. Yes. So take your puppy into a quiet room where there's nothing going on. Shannon calls it the white room. I do. And there's, it's just boring. There's nothing else to happening yep. in there but you. And you have the puppy on a leash too. So the puppy just can't say, see ya, I'm out of here. And it's just you and that kibble. And uh, the puppy has nothing else to do. And if they choose, they don't want to engage. Well, you don't want to let them out then to roar and play around. You know what? You don't want to engage with me. You can spend a little bit of time in your crate thinking about this. Yeah. And chances are when you bring the puppy out again, they're going to be more eager to interact with you because they weren't allowed to roam and self-reward when they chose not to. Yeah, you bet. Um, I like to feed my, or I like to um, do a little bit of training with my puppies in the morning when I know they're going to be really hungry. Yes, yes. So sometimes it's about creating habits with our puppies Mm -hmm. too. If our puppies are in the habit of us showing them food and them going, eh, I'm not really interested, Mm -hmm. then that becomes their go-to tactic. It becomes their automatic response. And it actually makes our lives quite a bit more difficult in trying to change that behavior because we've created a habit already. Mm -hmm. So um, I would adjust some of the things that you're doing. So if you approach training first thing in the morning where your puppy has an empty stomach because Mm -hmm. they've been asleep all night, ideally, hopefully. They have lots of energy from their, they've powered up from their nap. Exactly. So take the first half of their kibble ration or, you know, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that you're feeding them and see if you can build some motivation and build some skills from that point. Um, Look critically at how much you're feeding your puppy Mm -hmm. as well. If you're overfeeding them again, that is going to be something that they're not, they're not going to be hungry and that eager to work. Yes. Especially if you're free, free feeding too. If there's food always available to the puppy, the puppy's going to say, well, you know what? I really don't feel like doing what you're doing with that kibble right now. I know I can get some kibble 10 minutes down the road out of my bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a valuable resource that we lose when we free feed. So we, um, we never recommend free feeding. Mm-hmm. I always recommend making sure that your meal feeding, you know, holding back some of their meals to do some training when mm-hmm. they're young is, is a great way to help to moderate right. their weight and make sure that they're not putting on lots of weight. Um, if you are really struggling with that food motivation, think about maybe trying something that's a little bit higher value 
too. So I wouldn't do it in response to your dog refusing a piece of food though. So here's the thing. Here's where we create bad habits. Mm -hmm. So if I go to offer my dog a a kibble to follow, for example, so I'm working with my puppy, I've got his kibble out and I'm like, all right, we're going to have a great training session. I go to lure him with the kibble because that's the stage of Mm -hmm. learning that he's at. And he goes, meh, no, I don't really want that. It's not that exciting. And I'd rather play with this fluff on the carpet. Mm -hmm. Look at the fluff. The fluff (laughs) is wonderful. (laughs) Puppies have notoriously short attention spans. So do I though. You do. you do. I'm surprised actually you're not playing with that fluff on the carpet. Well, I thought about it. I thought, I honestly thought about it. I'm going to throw this mic away. And I'm gonna, no. Um, so if you were to do that, so if you now, the, the puppy's not interested in the kibble. So now you go, okay, you know what? He's not interested in the kibble. I'm going to get him some wieners or I'm going to get him a little hunk of cheese. At that point, your puppy goes light bulb. Right. Oh, yes. if I hold out, something better appears. Right. And we create our own picky yeah, eater. Exactly. Yes. So if you do decide to go with a higher value treat, like a, a little pieces of cut up hot dog mm-hmm. or cheese or some real pieces mm-hmm. of meat. You know, you might take a chicken breast and cut it into little tiny pieces and then have a whole mm-hmm. bunch of training sessions out of it. So those things are great, but I would start fresh with a new training session with them so that right. there wasn't that chance of the puppy making the connection. Put it together. Oh, if I refuse what mm-hmm. you offer me and I hold out, something better comes along. Right. So, yes. I mean, that's just a dog seeing the value in a situation, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're it, very it, clever. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And they're waiting for something really, really awesome yeah. in, in a lot of cases if that's what they've learned happens. So thank you for your question, Lisa. Another suggestion too. I like to make my kibble fun. So I can see my puppy saying, do you like paint little faces on it? Uh, Well, I don't have small enough paintbrushes. Oh, but no, what what I do is (laughs) I will hold the puppy by the chest or the collar and I'll get a kibble and I'll kind of tease the puppy a bit and I'll be excited myself. And then I'll give the puppy, the the puppy, the kibble a little roll along the ground. Uh And most puppies like to chase something. So I've gotten them excited. I get that kibble and I roll it along the ground and the puppy pounces after it and then they catch it and then generally they eat it. Yeah. And I do that a couple of times and all of a sudden the puppy says, kibbles are fun. I like them. And it can really turn them on to working. Absolutely. And it, well, it awakens the inner predator in them. Yes. So, you know, we, we go out for a meal and I'm thrilled when I'm sitting at a restaurant and somebody plunks a wonderful looking meal in front of me that I know is mine to eat and it's just been prepared and it's fresh and it's hot. That's thrilling for me. That wouldn't be as thrilling for a puppy though. Puppies are predators, you know, they are eager to chase grab, mm-hmm. shake, kill, eat. Right. Those That's the sequence, right? right? Yes. So in if- the wild, meals are never placed in front of you. <laughs> not that our puppies are in the wild. You do not course. have to tip your waiters in the right. wild. But you have to work for your food. If one <laughs> yes. of our dogs got loose and was living in the forest on their own, they have to work for their food. Yeah, and that, that's in their genetics to work yep. for food. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the instinct, right? Is mm-hmm. to chase, grab, kill, mm-hmm. eat. Um, that's the instinct that gets to eat. They don't just go to the eat first. They go, sometimes there's a scavenge and eat, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's a chase, grab, kill and eat. This might be why I like charcuterie boards. <laughs> because when I have a charcuterie board in front of me, I have choices and I have to grab and build and scoop and put it all together. This is exciting. I know. Now I want a charcuterie board. Right? So normally you get your food and it's like, yeah, you just put it in your mouth. But a charcuterie board, I have to work a little bit. It's bringing out the caveman in me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confused about, like, I thought the, I I was looking at you and thinking like cavewoman in the podcast studio today. Yes, yes. But it's the charcuterie board brings out the the cavewoman in me, the gather. I gather what I want. I pile it up on a biscuit. I think, what else could I add to this? I scoop a bit of that green stuff on. If I have to wait too long in restaurants for my meals, I just wander around and pick off other people's It's a good idea. Yeah, it's like a moving charcuterie board. Can you A Marche charcuterie board. (laughs) That's that's my instinct. Sometimes I've been removed from restaurants. I've seen your face up when I go in restaurants. I often see, uh, do not allow these people in. And there's a whole bunch of people. Then I see your face. (laughs) Usually usually it's full. Like you're like chewing. (laughs) Chewing and running. (laughs) All right. Another question. Swanee, Mm -hmm. this next one is yours. Okay. Sorry, I shouldn't have asked while you were having a drink. Suspenseful music. I don't know what that that noise was. 
Is that Jaws? Yeah, Yeah. as the shark comes to get them. As the shark looks at its charcuterie board of the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, glasses. Okay. (laughs) This one is from Liz Cox SI. Do you have suggestions on how to deal with a puppy who eats and shreds their bed? Aw. Yep, we do. We do. Do you want to start? We do. <laughs> well, a puppy that eats and treat, eats and <laughs> eats and shreds their bed is not ready to have a bed yeah. yet. So yeah. no bed for young puppies. Yeah, and uh, what are you going to say to the people who right now are saying, oh, that's so mean, they need a bed? Well, <laughs> having worked in a veterinary hospital yeah. and an actually- emergency An emergency hospital. And actually having this happen to a dog that was in my care too. When I was in high school, I worked at a a German Shepherd kennel. And um, one of the German Shepherds managed to pull in a a towel that was uh, left to dry up on her kennel. Mm. And uh, the next morning um, uh, we came in and she wasn't eating her food. And uh, she continued not to eat and just became very listless. And the uh, owner of the kennel took her in and they did an exploratory surgery. And sure enough, she had shredded up that towel and eaten part of it. And it was causing a blockage and she didn't survive the surgery. And it was so, we were, yeah, it was awful. I I remember her name was Sprite and I remember her to this day, even though that was, you know, 30 something years ago, I, I think of that dog and you know, how she innocently ate something she shouldn't. Oh, and work, working at the emergency kennel, uh, veterinary uh, hospital, I saw it a lot. A lot yeah. of dogs eating pieces of bed, pieces of toys, socks, underwear, all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, so it it's not worth the risk. No, it's, it's not really worth not. the risk. It's really not. And once you have a dog that has reliable habits... It's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. But when we have our young puppies, if they are physically capable of ripping something apart, like they're old enough, excuse me, they're old enough that they can, that's a dangerous scenario to leave that dog unsupervised with something that they might rip up. Actually, instructor Robbie last night was saying, well, scene just turned this old. I can't remember. I can't remember how old scene is right now, but maybe just over a year yeah. or so. She's still mm-hmm. in that yes. sort of adolescent realm. And Robbie said last night, well, we uh, we went out to the keg for dinner for our anniversary. And I thought, okay, you know what? Scene's been great with this bed in her crate when I've been there to supervise. So I'm going to leave her unattended with mm-hmm. it while we go to the to the keg. Uh-oh. And so left the bed in mm-hmm. the crate with Scene to see how she would do while they were out at dinner because she had been making fabulous choices. Right. So Robbie thought, oh, she's ready for this. <laughs> And then Robbie said, we got home and I looked through the window and I thought she was sitting in a snow globe. (laughs) So even at that age, very well trained, Mm -hmm. you know, very well supervised, very well managed. And she still was bored, lonely, you know, whatever the case may be, and decided to tear a little hole in one corner and then just basically systematically pulled out the stuffing and had a grand old time doing it. So that bed is now obviously in the garbage, but Robbie's definitely going to make sure that she's not replacing that bed. And um, when she does, she's spending enough time supervising first and Mm. then before she gets into the test because that basically was seen saying, no, I'm really not ready for it. Even though I seem like I might be, I'm not ready for it. Yes. Like there's some situations where I can sit on my bed, but not when you're not here. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And you know, puppies are scavengers first. Mm -hmm. So they are going to look for things to entertain themselves. They're going to look for things to eat. And if they don't understand that things like their bed are off limits for chewing just yet, there's a very real possibility that they might end up chewing it and ingesting pieces Mm -hmm. of it. And that is just not, uh, that's, that's, really playing with fire. Right, I mean, yes. foreign body extraction surgery is typically fairly successful, but it all depends on circumstances. Right. You know, how much of the intestine has been impacted? Is mm-hmm. it still in the stomach? You know, there's right. all sorts of factors and it's, that go into it's that. It's very costly. Yes. Veterinary care can be very costly. And uh, also, you know, looking after a, a recovering puppy is tough. Yeah. It, it's stressful. Do you know what, um, what the, like the biggest foreign body extraction surgery removal item tends to be, or one of the biggest? No. What? Can you take a guess? I'm going to take a guess. It's going to be a surprising one. Toys. Like, is it dog toys? Dog toys would be a good one. And I was socks? actually, I was actually going to say rawhide. 
Oh, rawhide? But now that I've said that, I don't know that that's actually accurate, that it's one of the most removed, but I know it is very frequently mm-hmm. removed from dogs. So the thing with rawhide, which a lot of people don't know because, you know, you think they sell this stuff everywhere. Right, yes. You know, I can buy it at my local pet store. I right. can buy it at Walmart. I can buy it at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Like rawhide dogs and rawhide just go hand right. in hand yes. seemingly. But if you think about what hide is, right, it's not digestible, mm-hmm. right? It's hide. So it's hide that's been treated and dried and a lot of the times when they chew on rawhide it ends up getting really tacky and they'll take big chunks Mm -hmm. off of it and swallow these big chunks and then that tacky piece and another tacky piece meet and they stick together and they get clumped together Mm -hmm. in the stomach and work together and then sometimes they get pushed through the intestine and sometimes they get stuck in the intestine Mm -hmm. so um we always warn people away from rawhide and Mm -hmm. and it's full of chemicals too if you ever watch how rawhide is made yeah on YouTube and uh, you will not give it to your dog again. Yeah, very mm-hmm. good point. Things that are a little bit more of a natural chew, um, bull wrinkles, for example, mm-hmm. they're pricey, but they're a much safer chew. Right. You can get uh, you can get rawhide chew flips that have been coated with some sort of enzyme that helps to break them down. Mm-hmm. But again, question how healthy that might right. be for your dog. It's probably not going to be the best uh, mm-hmm. the best chew for them. Right. So, yes. What do you use for your dogs to chew? Well, um, it, every dog has been different. Um, generally, it's nylon bones yeah, or the Benna bones. Um, oh, I like the Benna bones yes. a lot. Yes. I find when I get a new nylon bone, some of my dogs are like very happy with the new nylon bones, but most of them like it to be pre-roughed up. Yeah. So I'll take it out of my yard. I have a cement area and I'll just run it over the cement and I get it all scratched up and, you know, kind of used looking. Perfect. And then I give it to them and they're like, oh, I like it. Yeah. So I, I find... Getting it used and roughed up often or giving it to another dog to chew first yep. is a great way to get them interested. Yeah. Um, we used to talk about boiling them in chicken or beef bouillon mm-hmm. to sort of add flavors right. to them or you might smear some peanut butter or cheese yeah. in those rough spots right. that you've yeah. created. You know, a lot of the times people will say like, oh, my dog, I, I gave my dog a bent bone and he wasn't interested in chewing it. But if, if you can draw interest to it a lot of the times that's going to be a really long lasting right. chew yes. for them as well. Yes. For edible chews, I've had dogs that have enjoyed deer antlers, the okay. shed deer antlers. Um, I'd be sure to get good strong ones that are whole. So they're round. You can buy some that are sliced in half, mm-hmm. but those ones I find some of my dogs can break and they're quite sharp when they break. Okay. Is the, um, is the stuff that the like the marrow inside is it rich? It's, I think it's quite rich too. Okay. And if your dog ate too much of it, of course, you know, it could be a digestive upset. So yeah, yeah you know, like anything, I watch very very closely. Um, Honda, he loves the uh, Himalayan yak cheese bones. Okay. Now some I find are better than others. Some of them, the dogs just kind of grind away at them and they just seem to disappear. Other ones they can break chunks yeah, off of. That was my experience with. Yeah. Them. So. Uh, I, I I remember the packaging on the one that chunked, so I don't buy that one anymore. But there's another one that doesn't break off. Now, Honda's a tiny dog, too, so he doesn't have the powerful jaws right. of some breeds, too. So, you know, it, it's hit and miss. you got to find... I, I've also found um, some salmon or, or cod skin bones that seem to last Honda a little bit of time. They okay. smell disgusting because there's fish skin, but, uh, you know, he seems to love them. Ah, cool. I really like the bully sticks for them getting to the back of their mouth mm-hmm. and sort of get, because they get tacky when they're chewing, right, it tends yes. to help clean the tartar and whatnot. Um, but then I also will will often feed uh, part-time raw with my dogs as well. Right. So then they get some. So they're getting the, the raw bones, bones and all that. Yep. Yes, which are excellent. Yes. Yeah, Be, exactly. I used to always buy my dogs um, marrow bones or I can't remember they look like oxtails or oxtails or something soup bone yeah like they're round and they had marrow in them Mm -hmm. and uh they have a story about those they they, they used to love (laughs) them and I never thought anything of it all went well but uh at when I was working at the vet hospital sometimes dogs would come with these round bones that's the story I have (laughs) over their bottom also flex you know flexi line leashes retractable leashes oh I didn't have that in my story we had a few dogs that had those trapped over their mouths too Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say that they came in with the bones on their jaw on a flexi. No, no, no. The flexi, <laughs> the handle of the flexi was oh. trapped on their, their mouth too. And oh. I saw that more often than I saw the bones over. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I do have a story of uh-huh. that, that marrow bone getting caught on the bottom of Jaden's yeah. jaw. Uh-huh. Um, I was working at the computer or something and then I, I, I heard a weird noise and I had given him one of those to chew on and I looked down and it was like <laughs> on his bottom jaw and I thought. He was trying to like fuss and get right. it off. And I thought, oh, I'll just give him a hand. And it was 
walked on there. Right, I ended yeah. up going to the emergency vet because, yeah. of course, it was like a Sunday. You know, uh-huh. you can't do that during the week right, yeah. when I could see my regular vet at uh-huh. half the price. But at any rate, I digress. It's mm-hmm. my own fault for <laughs> giving him that, <laughs> right. that size. Uh-huh. And um, they had to take the giggle wire and cut it off. Cut, and right, yeah. They gave it to me afterwards. And I, at, when I walked in, I remember when I walked in, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, oh, this was such a dumb thing for me to do. Why didn't I think that it was going to get stuck on his jaw. <laughs> so when I walked in, I was like, oh, my dog has a bone stuck on his jaw. <laughs> and the woman was like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Right, yeah. right away, she put me at ease. She was like, you're good. You know what? Yes. Don't worry. Don't worry. I was like, oh, my yeah. God, I love you. She was she was really right. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, that was Jaden. Poor mm, Jaden. Yeah. But it's funny. I, I gave them to my dogs for years. Never thought about it. And then it's like, oh, gee, I dodged a bullet. Yeah. I was lucky. And I would never give a dog <laughs> one of them now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've never heard of the flexi thing, but fle- I can oh see yeah. how it happens. I think it was always golden retrievers or labs. Mm-hmm. And I think they carry their flexi. Ah, And that's how it happened. Gotcha. I, I, that's how I, my always, my gut feeling was the person must have said to the dog, you carry your own leash. And the dog got it <laughs> jammed up over his mouth. Oh, poor dog. And we saw it like, I bet I saw it three or four times. Like, so were they able to do the same thing? Just take the they had to cut giggle it. wire yeah. and cut yeah. it off. And then here you go. Here's yeah. your souvenir Here's, from yeah. your adventure. Right, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, this question that I have next. Unfortunately, I can't read the name because the printer, I guess, was running out of ink. <laughs> it's from so Shannon. All I can, I Shannon. Can, <laughs> I can read scenic at the end. I think that's it. But it might say other too. <laughs> <laughs> chances are I'm not going to guess it right. So I'll just go ahead with the question. Any advice with your young puppy nipping and getting too rough with your older dog? I'm struggling to have them play nicely. So I personally like to keep my older dogs and my puppies separated for a little while until I have some skills on the puppy for Mm -hmm. this exact reason. Right. You know, our older dogs, for example... They might have been settled into their life, Mm -hmm. into their old dog life, depending on the age of the dog. They might love playing with a puppy. They might not love playing with a puppy. And a lot of the times people expect that dogs are just going to get along right out of the gate and there won't be any issue with them, especially if your dog that um, is existing in the home is a friendly dog. Right. But it is... It's hard on us when we have a puppy that we're trying to play with and those Mm -hmm. needle teeth are hurting us and we're trying to deal Mm -hmm. with that. That's hard on us. It's also hard on our other dogs. Right. So until I have worked through that nipping Mm -hmm. and helped my puppy understand that it's not appropriate to do, Mm -hmm. until I have some skills where I can immediately settle my puppy, and usually these things don't take an overly long period of time. If you are in a training program, if you're diligent and if you are able to, um, able to address these things mm-hmm. right away. So I will make sure that I can settle my puppy right away. I can call their name and get right. them to respond. And so first right. I need to do that by teaching my puppy yes. how to respond to his name. Then I need to proof my puppy responding to his mm-hmm. name by adding in all sorts of simple distractions right. and making them harder and harder because I can guarantee you one of the hardest distractions for your puppy is going to be being in the middle of play with another dog. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they can't respond nicely away from that it just means we need to give them the benefit of taking the time teaching the skills showing them what they need to Mm -hmm. do making it rewarding for them and then we can start to introduce some moderate play with the other dogs before I even get to that I actually spend a lot of time with my older dogs just out Mm -hmm. loose but maybe controlled so for example they might be on their beds Mm -hmm. right so if I'm in the living room I'm playing with the puppy my other dogs are are loose in the house so that they can serve as a distraction for my ongoing work with response to name and dealing with nipping and all that stuff. So I'm going to have them lying down calmly on their beds. I might give them something something to chew to keep them occupied. Mm-hmm. So they have some special things to do as well. And now I'm working with the puppy, right? So I'm across the room. Maybe I'm working with the puppy. We're working on skills, sits down, stands, maybe some handling. We're working on response to name. Mm-hmm. And then I might get closer and closer to the other dogs and make sure that my puppy can respond to me. My puppy can ignore the other dogs and focus on me. Right. They can settle. I can do things like taking the collar and holding the collar while they go, oh yeah, this is great. I love hanging out with you. I can get them to engage and play with me, right? Mm -hmm. I might pull out a toy and say, okay, let's do some tug. I want my puppy to choose me over the other dogs in the room. Yes. And then once we're at that point, then I might give them some supervised time Mm -hmm. together. And our our older dog is not a babysitter for the puppy. Yeah. 
our older dog didn't ask for us to bring home a puppy. And if you allow a little puppy to just pester and pester Mm -hmm. an older dog, that's just not fair. You need to advocate for your older dog. So, you, you know, I would, you know, if somebody plunked down a puppy with Honda and the puppy just started going after Honda, you know, Honda right away is going to be like backing away. Like, I don't like this. Yeah. And I'm going to step right in. You know, the puppy needs to learn that to read other dogs' body language yes. too. They can't Absolutely. bully and keep at it and get their own way. Yeah. So I'm going to step in and say, you know what? This isn't happening. You know, Honda, you're a good boy. You know, that was fine. You don't have to play with the puppy. You don't have to do that at all. And puppy, you can't play with Honda. Absolutely. I don't want my older dog telling my puppy off. No, I don't. People say, let them work it out. And that's terrible. That is is terrible advice. Yeah. First off, I... How can I guarantee that my older dog is going to tell my puppy off in a nice enough way that my puppy gets the point and doesn't get overly concerned with it? Right, yes. You know, I, I can't guarantee that. Mm-hmm. All Every dog is going to be a little bit different in that. And there are some dogs that are exceptional at that. Mm-hmm. And there are some dogs that are horrible at that. You yeah. know, they'll overreact and they'll terrify the puppy. Mm-hmm. And if we've put them in the position where we're letting our puppies push them to that point, that's our fault. Right. That totally is yep. on us. And we're not being leaders. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the older dog is saying, wow, they're not helping me. I guess I'm in charge of this. And yep. the puppy is saying, ah, free for all. I guess I am in charge. Plate time. Yes. So Steamroller. It's, it's not good leadership. <laughs> no, it's yes. not. Yes. It's definitely not. Like, I would not want to start a new job and you know, the, the new employees all be bouncing and pushing me and running me around and, and the boss saying, eh, they'll work it out. Yeah. No. I'd be like, oh my gosh, what, what world am I in? Yeah. Truly. I never, I want to actively discourage my dogs ever getting into any sort of tussle. Mm. I don't want my older dogs. I don't want my puppies. I don't want any of them thinking right. that they can tell each other off ad nauseum. I'm always going to be mm. the big heavy in the right. household. You know, I'm watching, I'm supervising. And if something starts to become inappropriate from my perspective, I'm stepping in instantly. Yes. Right. This is my job. Right. You guys, you get to live the life of Riley. All you have to do is you have to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. When you're asked to do something, you have to do something, which I incentivize them to do so. You know, mm-hmm. we we train with all sorts of motivation and fun and, and right. dogs enjoy listening yes. with the way that we train things. But I want to make sure that it's never on them. Right. You know, it's never on them to keep the peace in the house. That's my job. Right. Yes. Right. I have um, a blog post that I wrote several years ago called um, four tools and two rules for living in a multi-dog household. And basically they're the four skills that I insist that I have before my dogs are loose together. And they're the two tools that I insist on having as well. And basically, I mean, it's stuff like being able to call their name, Mm -hmm. you know, and get a response so that I can instantly address any sort of behavior, uh, things like them not being allowed to compete for things. Mm -hmm. You know, if, um, if my dog is on their bed and they've got a bone, and another dog wanders up to see them, that other dog gets told, no, you leave that alone. Right. You are not allowed to bug that other dog when they have a bone on their bed. Mm-hmm. Now, if the dog on the bed with the bone decides to get up and walk off and mm-hmm. do their own thing, bone's up for grabs. Hey, right. by all means. Mm-hmm. But you're not allowed to compete for things. Yes. You're not allowed to compete for my affection, mm-hmm. my engagement. You're not allowed to compete for resources. Like, this is just, I shut it down as soon as I see it starting to happen. Right. Yes. And quite honestly, like, those those fairly simple rules that I have outlined in that blog post. And you, you can find that on McCandogs.com. I have not had dog fights in my house. Mm-hmm. I've had like a couple of sort of, I would say the worst that has happened is a couple of loud squabbles, mm-hmm. but I have not had any knock on wood again. Right. Yes. <laughs> any I, significant dog fights. Yeah, I had two dogs in my twenties that I look back now and realize I, I just didn't have the dog training knowledge. And they, every once in a while, like throughout their lives, maybe maybe four times, they got into a tussle okay. over 10 years. And it was, it's scary. It's scary yeah. when two dogs fight. And, um, you know, looking back now, I, I see the mistakes I made and I, I've never repeated them. And I've had very peaceful, very, very peaceful dog households uh, ever since those two. Yeah. But um, yes, so definitely you don't, 
you're on top of things. You're the leader and you're watching and you're going to not let dogs work it out for themselves. You're in charge and you say what the rules are. Absolutely. I mean, that would be the equivalent of saying, okay, you know what? The four-year-old and the six-year-old, they haven't been getting along lately. Just let them keep scrapping until they figure it out. You know what? They'll they'll decide who's Mm -hmm. in charge and who needs to defer to what. Right. It's all good. I'm going to sit back and enjoy my TV drama that I'm watching. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So your your older dog is is not a babysitter. Yeah. And uh, they need to be kept separate. Yeah. You got it. When you first bring them home, eventually they're together. Yes. My dogs all live together in harmony yeah. and have a great old time. But when a new puppy comes in, they're separated from the other dogs. Yeah. Absolutely. Mine too. Mine too. It's so much easier that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next it's, question. Yeah. It's your turn to reach into the question box. Okay. Let's see here. I can't read the same. The printer's not good here. Uh, uh, no, sorry. Tamara, possibly. Why is it not good to take a puppy for a walk? Oh, that's a good question, that's a Tamara, big, that's, possibly. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> that's a very big question, yeah. too. A very big question. It is. Taking a puppy for a walk, um, basically the puppy hasn't been taught how to walk properly. So the puppy is just doing what it wants. And often what puppies want to do is pull on the Mm -hmm. leash, walk on everyone's lawn, stop and look at everything going on, and just feel that they're completely in charge of that walk. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're setting up our dog to not have good walking manners as an adult. Yeah, there's something called rehearsal, which is going to drive their behavior moving forward. So if they practice being, you know, untrained on the leash and pulling here and grabbing there and, you know, all the things mm-hmm. that come along with trying to walk with a young puppy. Yes. Who and it's adorable. Like it's adorable yeah. watching it, but we know as dog trainers, it 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 just bleeds over to the rest of their training. Yeah, it makes your life so much harder in the long run if they've rehearsed the exact opposite of what you want. Right. And then you turn around and try to teach them what you want. You're so much better off to flip the script, right? Mm-hmm. Take that card out from in front of the horse, put it back behind the horse, <laughs> spend some time first teaching the puppy how to walk nicely. Yes. Teach them some leash manners. You know, mm-hmm. this is white room worthy in the very, mm-hmm. very beginning stages. And then from there, we can start to add distractions. We can start to add color to the room. We can start to add, you know, toys and maybe one of our other dogs we can use as a distraction. Mm-hmm. And then we can go out front in the house and we can work on those leash manners. And then we can go down the block maybe, right. you know. It's all steps and stages. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like starting in junior kindergarten and then graduating to senior kindergarten and then grade one and two and three except dog style right yes (laughs) yes so yeah i mean take the time it takes Mm -hmm. right it's going to be so much better for you in the long run the other concern with puppies is vaccinations and of course it's very widely accepted at this point that the um the small risk that comes along with them not having their full course of vaccination is a much smaller risk than not socializing Mm -hmm. until they've had their full course of vaccination right so um standard protocol in north america is that puppies should get a vaccination at eight weeks 12 weeks and 16 weeks so as long as your puppy has had that eight week shot with due caution, you can get them out and about. Right. So, for example, um, you can go to an obedience class with your puppy or a puppy class with your puppy, uh, providing that the entire organization is very aware of vaccination concerns and is checking vaccination yes. records on every puppy that mm-hmm. comes in the building. We are absolute sticklers about this mm-hmm. because it is not worth the risk so unfortunately sometimes people will forget their vaccination records or they'll have a hard time getting them and they show up and unfortunately we can't let them into class with that puppy so Mm -hmm. a lot of the times it's a disappointing situation but I always say to people you know I know you're disappointed right now but rest assured that we were being just as diligent Mm -hmm. about keeping your puppy safe as we are about keeping everybody else's puppy safe. So be aware of the vaccination concerns Mm -hmm. as well. And I I was just thinking too, where I used to live was quite a quiet street and I didn't see very many dogs on my street. And I used to take puppies out to the front and, you know, Mm -hmm. let them see cars go by and people go by and all that. And I felt comfortable because there wasn't a lot of dogs. Yeah. Where I live now there's a lot of dogs out front. It would be different. And I wouldn't pick, I was just thinking as we were talking, I wouldn't take a puppy out front. Yeah. I might carry a puppy and Mm -hmm. sit on my porch 
or, you know, walk to the street carrying the puppy to let them see sights and sounds. Mm -hmm. But I would never dare put them down on my grass or on the sidewalk. Yeah. There's a ton of dogs on my street and I don't know their vaccination status. Exactly. Um, Try to avoid places that have dogs frequenting because you don't know if everybody's Mm -hmm. been vaccinated or not. So unless you're in that controlled situation like the puppy school or something of that nature, you want to use due caution. I actually love strip malls for that reason. Mm -hmm. So I always pick ones that don't have any sort of pet related stores in them right. because I'm not interested in, you know, running into other dogs, yes. et cetera, with my young puppy mm-hmm. or, you know, right. going to a strip mall where I'm hoping to expose my puppy a little bit and there's, you know, three pieces of dog poo. So, right. Yes. Cause that know. could be full of, exactly. full of parasites. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Parasites, parvo. There's mm-hmm. so many dangers to your mm-hmm. puppy with other dog poo that you're not, uh, that you're not aware of where right. it's come from or, you know, what the health is behind it. So we want to avoid as much mm-hmm. as possible. Um, avoid the puddles, you know, yes. where wildlife might go to the bathroom, et cetera. Right. So strip malls are perfect mm-hmm. because like if I go into like the Longos Plaza, right? right. That's a, a local grocery store chain here. So if I go into the Longos Plaza, there's probably not have going to have been a lot of dogs there. Right. So I can stand outside with my puppy mm-hmm. and I can use the back of the parking lot if I want to, if we're in the early stages and I want to make sure that there's not a ton of distractions for uh-huh. my puppy, I can move right up to the entryway of mm-hmm. the store if I want to and basically I can either hold my puppy right. or I can wander around we can play a little bit I can do little little walking mm-hmm. unleash games right, with yeah. a little bit of distraction mm-hmm. happening you know we can tuck off to the side or we can go right into the mainstay of the right. action so I love those spaces yes. do you have any other go-to's well I'll I'll take my dog same thing to you know strip malls mm-hmm. or to the far corner of a grocery store parking the lot farthest corner of the earth <laughs> I also <laughs> will take them to the forest I'll you know I won't go to the busiest for we live in Southern Ontario Mm -hmm. and it's such densely populated. Some of our forests are just as busy as the malls. You walk down the forest trail and it's like you're in a mall. There's so many people. So I choose a forest that's a little bit further away with not as much activity and I'll take my dog to the forest and I'll let them investigate, um, you know, logs and rocks and piles of leaves and, you know, climbing up you know, the edge of the uh, escarpment. <laughs> I'm um, singing log in my head now again. <laughs> Didn't we do that a couple we episodes? We did, yes, ago? yes. Oh my goodness, sorry. So I'm going to look for, for nature too, like mm-hmm. isolated nature areas. Let my dog see a stream. Let my dog see some Canada geese. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to let them go near where the Canada geese poo all yes, is. Good because call. Canada geese make a mess of things. Yeah. But, you know, I might take them to, uh, we also live, uh, we live near the Great Lakes. And I might take them down to a marina. And uh, let them see all those sites too. But I'm always vigilant of areas where other dogs are frequenting or other dogs approaching. Yeah, so perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, those are a couple of the reasons that we don't walk dogs. So mm-hmm. hopefully that helps. Walk puppies. We walk our dogs. Why we, sorry. Yeah. Yes, why we don't walk puppies. Yes. So hopefully that helps for... Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Kinnick or enough. I can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Another question? Yeah, you're up. You're up. Okay. Oh, this is a good conversation starters. Let's put those glasses back. This is a short question (laughs) on a big piece of paper. (laughs) Once again, we can't read the name, but the last numbers are dot six seven nine three. Your question: Are gentle leaders good? Oh, that is a very succinct question. It is. Yeah, right to the point. Gentle leaders are not good. They are awesome. Yeah. Yay. Good answer. (laughs) We do love the gentle leaders. So if you have a dog who is an extreme puller, or if you have a dog who is very hyper, mm-hmm. gentle leader is going to be right up your alley right, in terms yes. of a great piece of training right, equipment. Yes. Actually, we talked all about the gentle leader on two episodes ago. Yes. A couple it, of episodes And it's ago. been broadcast already. Yes. So it is published. What's, what's its name for people to look yeah, up? Yeah. It's something about walks. So we'll we'll throw the link in. Right. The, yeah. We'll throw the, the link in. So yes. Yeah, so that's that's the best you know, rather than yeah. rehash, that's you bet. the best thing to watch. We have a whole video, a whole podcast on the Gentle Leader. We do, absolutely. Yes. Also, if you visit our main McCann Dogs channel, there's videos on how to fit it properly, on how to sort of wean off into that in-between point, on mm-hmm. how to stop the fussing. Right. Because a lot of dogs will fuss with the Gentle Leader. Yeah, we yes. love the Gentle Leader. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way of just gently making your dog 
a little bit easier to work with. Right. I think we call it power steering. That yeah. Means that's what power the name steering is for dogs. on the, yeah, power steering. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I also call it good dog in a box. Good dog in a box. Jokingly. Jokingly. So, I had uh, one of our, one of our students called it the happy owner. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one too. So um, the good dog in a box thing, a lot of the times that, that piece, that first little bit of time that you put the gentle leader on the dog, that piece where the owner gets that really wonderful reinforcement is great, but then it kind of falls apart if the owner expects that the gentle leader is just going to continue to placate the dog. Right. So yeah, eventually you have to the, train the dog. Yeah, exactly. It, it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a magic bullet. Yeah. People are often looking for that sort of that perfect tool that's going to stop mm-hmm. and train the dog, like things like... The harness, that easy walk harness. Right, yeah, or, yeah right? no pull harnesses. Yeah, yeah. like this um, This marketing of it says you can throw this thing on your dog and it, it solves the pulling problem, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, it's not a tool that I would ever recommend right. because there's what? restriction yeah, and in people those. Are, people are lazy. Like, you, you get a dog, train your dog. Yeah, Don't exactly. look for these quick fixes. It's... Yeah, and it's not to say that you can't use a gentle leader forever, but the gentle leader itself doesn't do anything to train your dog. The gentle leader itself needs you to back up and get some information mm-hmm. into the dog, help them learn what their job is and what it is that they are supposed to do. Um, if you're expecting the gentle leader to just teach the dog, then you will be disappointed right. in that tool because mm-hmm. there's no tool that really just teaches right. the dog. Yes. We need to teach the dog. Mm-hmm. You, Swanee needs to teach the dog. <laughs> Everybody party at Swanee's house. <laughs> I'll Bring teach your, your dogs. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Drum roll. Oh, this one's a nice, clear. Drum roll. Well, some of it's a nice, clear name. The bottom part That's my drum roll. That was, I'm not sure that was a good I listened to a different drummer than everyone else. Alrighty. So I'm not even going to try to read the name because it's cut off and, you know, that joke's now. It's. I know. We're going to have to speak to our paper, our paper people. Hey, paper people, we can't read the names. Okay, this question. Here we go. We have two puppies. Is there a couple of hints on how to manage two together? Actually, all the training I do try to separate them to train separately, but things like jumping is trickier. So here's the thing. If you went and got yourself two puppies, congratulations. You have two bundles of joy, and that's wonderful. But basically, you have double the work right it's like you now have twins it's like you just gave birth to twins exactly and with twins we can raise them together because we have all this ability to be logical with them and and emotionally separate them at some point during their life as well with puppies once they are bonded as young puppies it's really hard to break through that Mm -hmm. so first off I would make sure that these puppies spent the overwhelming majority of their time separated. So separate crates, separate training scenarios. You know, in a perfect world, if you bring home two puppies, you have two handlers, right? You have two people in the house who are both basically raising one of those puppies Mm -hmm. on their own. So I would let those puppies spend very little time together because unfortunately that bond, like it's nice for them to bond, but unfortunately that bond ends up being extreme. And then typically the weaker of the two puppies in terms of temperament ends up so reliant on the stronger of the two. Mm -hmm. And then if something happens to that stronger puppy, it's devastating. Yes. So I always want each of my puppies, anytime I bring home another dog, I want them to be confident, independent individuals. That's my goal for creating this wonderful dog is that I want them to be confident. Right. Just, just being, right. you yes. know, I don't want them to have to need anything mm-hmm. just to exist in a stress-free existence. Right. So I think it's really important that you raise them all separately. Mm-hmm. Um, and each puppy needs to have its own identity. Yeah. And it has its own personality and we have to develop that. Yeah. We, exactly. we can't treat them as, as one. Yeah. They need to be treated as separate entities. Yeah. And I would say if you're going to have the two out together before they are fully trained to listen to your voice, you need a second handler. Yes. Because like you said, 
fixing things like jumping is trickier. Yeah, because you only have the two hands, right? right? And you need to use those two hands to address one puppy fully. Mm -hmm. And then the other puppy is going to be jumping while you're doing that. And if you try to address the other one, like it's just, it's a no-win situation really. So you need to be able to give 100% of your attention to that one puppy when they're out. And then that puppy can go away and take a break. The other puppy can come out and you can give 100% of your attention to that puppy. Mm -hmm. They can spend very little time together. And then as they grow up, (sighs) so this gets trickier as well. So littermate syndrome is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And normally, instinctually, there would be a point with those two puppies where they would separate from each other because they would be competing for the same resources. Mm -hmm. So especially if they're the same sex, right? You might have a little bit of a better chance if you have a female and a male partner versus, and of course, make sure that they're spayed and neutered Mm -hmm. so you don't have any oops breedings with a full sibling. Um, (laughs) If they're littermates, assuming they're littermates. But we want to make sure that we don't ever set that scenario up, right? right? Um, If I have two male puppies and they're growing up together, they they get to a point where the hostility will just suddenly appear, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If you're adept enough at reading dog body language, you might be able to see some signs leading up to it, but they're typically pretty subtle. Mm -hmm. And the um, explosion after the fact is not subtle. So a lot of the times these littermate scenarios end up going very poorly once the dogs get to like that adolescent stage in Mm -hmm. their life. They start fighting with one another and then people are reaching out for behaviorists and and all sorts of things to try to solve these problems. But really it's just such an unnatural thing for them to stay together that now they're conflicted because they're fighting for the same resources. So it's really, it's double the work. It's a lot of management. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. You know, it's I would lot. definitely, yes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with multi-dog households. We all have multi-dog right. households, yes. right? But the difference is that we get a puppy, we raise that puppy, we get to a point where we have good verbal control. They understand the rules of the house. They understand how to listen out and about. They have a wonderful life, basically. Mm-hmm. So we might be doing some higher learning stuff right. with them. You know, this is by the time they're, you know, a year and a half, two mm-hmm. years, I might think, okay, it's time to bring home a puppy now. Right. You know, now that I'm not having to devote all this time to the other dog, Mm -hmm. now I have time to devote to a puppy, but getting them both together. I mean, you have to have double the time Mm -hmm. you have to, and and if you don't have double the time and you're skimping on those things, it might end up biting you in the behind as your puppies get older. So yeah, be very aware of that. Mm -hmm. Lots of separation is important. Yes. All righty. Well, this was a fun episode yes, to it do. Was. Yes. And I would love to answer more questions. So mm-hmm. send them in to yep. us. You know, hit hit us up on our YouTube podcast channel, McCann Dogs Podcast on YouTube. And under any of our podcasts, you can leave questions. And instructor Swanee and I will pick from those actually we don't pick from those questions. No. I'll tell you how these questions appear. Be so that it ends up being just this like surprise this is what I'm reading we have uh somebody else pick the questions for us Mm -hmm. put them in our fancy little box here Uh and then we can just hit record and we can start reading off right yes so we we had no idea was what was in that box this was a true surprise to us there could have been uh something jumping out of the box there could have been there could have been an evil little clown (laughs) Shannon and the clowns (laughs) send in the clowns Shannon is a clown. That's the problem. <laughs> oh my gosh, but I don't like clowns. So, alrighty, that was fun. Yes. Leave us questions. We are thrilled to be able to connect with you and to be able to answer your questions. So, on that note, I'm Instructor Shannon, Instructor Swanee. Happy training. Bye bye. Bye. The McCann Dogs Podcast is brought to you by McCann Professional Dog Trainers. We help dog owners to have a well-behaved, four-legged family member. Please give us a call at nine oh five. or visit us at mccandogs.com. Happy training!